and welcome back to Record Store Society. Happy New Year. I am Tara Davies, and I'm joined today with Natalie White. You may notice that Seth is not here today. Seth has moved on to other things, and Natalie is a new employee of the store, Record Store Society. We're going to be breaking the fourth wall today, and we're in the store, and we're also talking to you as the listener, but I wanted to introduce Natalie White. Hi. Yay. Thank you for having me. Seth's shoes, those are some big shoes to fill, but I'm excited to be working at the store. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Your background, um, your experience, your love for music is going to pair well with mine, and I'm excited to talk to you about all things music-related. Let's talk about some things we might be doing differently and some things we might be doing the same. First off, I guess we'll say is the high-fidelity game is not going away. We'll still do that. That's a big hit. Yeah. Around here. Yeah. yeah. We love it. It's a fun one to play, too. We're still talking about music. Uh, we may be talking about more than just songs, of course, and we may have some new formats, but we'll also still be bringing on guests, doing album of the month talks. One big change is that we are going to be bi-weekly from now on instead of weekly. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Did I leave anything out, Natalie? I think you nailed it. Okay. First try. Heck, Good job. Yes. I love it when that <laughs> happens. Oh, I will say, hey, if you want more Seth, listen to his podcast. It's called Rusty Needles Record Club. And you can find that on any podcast place where you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, etc. So let's get into today. Natalie, since it's your first day, I thought we could maybe interview you about your musical firsts. Awesome. Yeah, this is a actually an idea that Seth came up with a while back, and it's really fun to get to know a person's musical first. How were they introduced to music and records and concerts and things? Notable firsts, I guess you would say. So yeah, yeah kind of. It's a good icebreaker. Yeah. Take a little trip down memory lane for me. This will be, be interesting. Awesome. Okay, well, let's just dive right in. Answer to the best of your ability. If you can't remember specifics, get as close as you can. Make a guess if you need to. There's some I'm just like, I don't remember that far back. Like, did my parents take me to my first show <laughs> or, or is it my first non-chaperone show? Okay. What was your first record? First record. That's a tough one. You know, traditionally, I haven't been much of a, a record purchaser, I have to say. I have purchased a few records here and there. Usually it's like at a, at a concert or a show where they're doing autographs and I need something for them to sign. So I'll grab it at the merch table. So I don't know what the first would have been, but I did that most recently for Chibomato mm. on their last tour for their Hotel Valentine tour. They came through, saw them at the Earl in Atlanta. It was incredible to meet them, shake their hands. And I got that record signed. Heck yeah, I was at that show and I just got chills. Were you? Thinking about it, it was so good because, you know, I loved them in high school so much. So to see them as an adult and hear that music again, but in a live situation, oh my goodness, what a fun time. Yeah, fantastic show. I was screaming my head off and singing along around a very enthusiastic group of young kids who didn't know the words yeah. as well as I did. That's awesome. <laughs> so hopefully that, I think that made me look a little bit cooler <laughs> next to them. 
But no, they put on a fantastic show. I was very happy to see uh, Miho Hattori and Yuka Honda back on stage. Yeah, that is so cool. So you bought a record and you got it autographed by them as well? Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) I bought a shirt there at the show. Classic. But that's right on. That's so cool. So you don't remember your first vinyl you ever purchased? I don't. I really don't. There there've been very, very few of them. I mean, my parents have collections. I probably should just pilfer my dad's collection from them. I, I promise it's probably still in a box in our garage somewhere and it's oh, starting yeah. to have some gems in it. So maybe I'll do that next time I get home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's basically yours to claim, I feel like. If it's in a box <laughs> right. in a garage, it's yours to claim. I I feel like I have to fight. I'm going to have to fight my little brother over my dad's record collection. Cool. That's. I mean, I still love that. That's your first one to think of because, man, Chivo Mato, so good. Okay, next category, first cassette. Okay, first cassette. So this is also kind of tough. I should say I have three siblings and they're all like 10 years older than me, right? So they would have been absolutely buying lots and lots of cassettes and I probably snagged them here and there and and dubbed mixes of my own. So, but I will tell you the first cassette that I found and claimed as my own, even if I didn't purchase it when I was very young. So my sisters and I shared this chest of drawers and, you know, they had like the center three drawers for socks and underwear and things, but they instead just stuffed them with cassettes, no covers, no protection, no nothing, just full of cassettes. And I would kind of rifle through it and find something to listen to. And there'd be lots of mixtapes and stuff. But in there, they had a cassette of Art of Noise, the album. Yes. Who's Afraid of the Art of Noise? And when I say I played that and just instantly fell in love and was completely obsessed with that album as a kid, that is definitely my favorite cassette of all time. Oh man, is that the one with Moments in yes, Love? Yes, Moments in called? Love, Beatbox. Close. I mean, it's got all the bangers on that. Wow. Wow. That's so... Wait, how old do you think you were? Or, oh my gosh. You have, never mind. You do not have to tell your age. I was, I was <laughs> a wee babe. I was a wee babe. I just think, no, that is just such a cool first cassette. Mine was probably like New Kids on the... No, mine was like Whitney Houston. Never mind. That's pretty cool. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you say New Kids on the Block because I was trying to think, well, what would I have purchased for myself as a kid? And it probably was New Kids on the Block because that was... All of the girls in my classroom were really obsessed with them. And it wouldn't have been... I don't think it would have been their first album. That one was crappy. But the second one, Hanging Tough. Yeah. That's the one where they blew up. (laughs) I could see myself, right. I could see myself dropping (laughs) some cash for that one. Dropping some cash. Also, I love that your sisters had a drawer just full of cassettes open. Overflowing with loose cassettes. It was ridiculous. I love that. That, I I can see the visual. I can see (laughs) it in my mind. Okay. First CD. First CD. Oh my goodness. Seriously, I have the memory of a hamster, so I'm, I'm trying to dig really deep here. My siblings again, so they would have been teenagers and they would have been buying a lot of CDs and everything. So they would have had me covered in terms of really good R&B soul and hip hop and things like that. But I think the first CD I would have paid for myself would probably have been Mariah Carey's debut album wow. in 1990. I remember being really excited about buying all of her albums. 
That's the Visions of Love Yes, one? that had Vision of Love on it, yes. Classic. Just an instant classic, absolutely. Yeah. Especially at that age as a young girl, you know, when you're like hitting puberty yes. and you're starting to have crushes on people and just all that cute little school drama. Seriously, Mariah Carey was the soundtrack of our lives. Just every single album. It's like the woman was a psychic. Yeah. She could just tell <laughs> what you were going through. Um, but that album was amazing. It's so funny because, you know, when you listen to, because I also had this CD as a young one. When you're young, you listen to things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, like burned into your brain. I recently went on a road trip. Well, I guess it wasn't very recent. It was 2020 with my friend Sam. And for whatever reason, one song from this album popped up on something we're listening to. And we're like, oh my gosh, how do we know all these words still? Let's listen to the whole album. And you would be so surprised. We knew so many words to like so many songs still. But then, you you know, very important things you cannot remember whatsoever. And then you have all of 1990 Mariah Carey self-titled lyrics ingrained into your brain. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Same thing. It just, it, it's, that's the magic of music, I guess. It just takes you back to a moment or a space and time and everything is just so vivid. I, I haven't listened to that album in years. I guarantee if you played it. I could sing every yeah. every word, every track. I highly recommend revisiting that entire album because it was such a flashback moment. Speaking of that sort of moment in time inspired by music, feeling moved by music, you are also known as Puma Shock. Can you tell us what you do as Puma Shock? Puma Shock. Well, yes, that is my name that I go by for all of my music projects and performances. I've been doing music my entire life. Um, I'm a classically trained pianist and produce music full time, uh, mainly for video games, animation, short film, things like that. And yeah, keeping keeping the Puma Shock name alive. That's so cool. Do you you had a YouTube channel? Do you still have it? And do you still like keep it it's up or? It's still there and it's got all of the older videos that people, if they recognize me, you know, the videos they recognize me from. Um, it's not impossible that I'll keep adding to it, especially to help promote some of the video game projects that I'm working on now. So yeah, if you're interested in seeing what I've been up to past, present and future, definitely check that out or go to pumashock.com also. Nice. That is so cool. Okay. Let's dive into more first timer questions. What was your first digital download? And I'm curious, actually, do you remember what platform you downloaded it from? Napster, LimeWire, SoulSeek? <laughs> I was going to ask you if you meant, is, is this a non-LimeWire or non-Napster question? <laughs> um, something that I bought as a digital download, but I'm glad to hear that LimeWire is in the mix. Okay, in 1996... There was a song that I found on the internet that I just became super obsessed with. Now, mind you, in 96, it's not like you could just go online and get full length, you know, HD versions of songs. You'd get these crappy 10 second long clips that faded in and out and they were really muffled. Or like MIDI versions. You're like, what? Exactly. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> but that's, that's all we had. So I was like, oh, yeah. that's cool. I can hear clips of these songs. I found a clip from the Sneaker Pimps in 1996 of a song they did called Johnny. And to this day, I'm not even really sure. It's not on any of the albums. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was from a, a movie soundtrack or something. Oh, interesting. But I, I don't know where I came across it on the internet, but it was just this clip of the hook and I was way into it and loved it. And I mean, it took years 
years of hunting for that full-length song to pop up on LimeWire for me to download. And it was like the most joyous day. (laughs) It was like the most triumphant download experience I've ever had in my life because I'm not kidding when I say it was years. I had kind of forgotten about it even and then came back to it and found it online. That's so cool. And the fact that you even remember kind of, well, you went on a journey to like hunt it down. So of course you probably remember it. I, it's online. You can listen to it still. I know it's, it's online now. It's on YouTube, just freely out there. But back then it was, it was an intense uh, treasure hunt to get a full length version of that song. What's weird is that when you search for it, it says it's on the album Becoming X, but it is not. It is definitely not. Yeah. Because I have that album and I have that remix album and it's not on there. I wonder if it was on like some sort of demo or... I think it's on some sort of promotional CD. I just, who knows? I love that story though. That's awesome. I know you sort of maybe mentioned this before or at least were thinking, Mm -hmm. what would I buy if I bought it? But what was the first album you bought yourself? Okay, the first album I bought myself. Again, this is not a first. I'm just completely ruining your first interview because none of these are probably the firsts at all. It doesn't matter. It's like the first one that you're thinking of, which I think still paints a really good picture of you. (laughs) But I will tell you. Well, this, okay. So this is absolutely, this is absolutely an early album that I purchased that was the most memorable one of all. And I was most proud to hand my money over to the guy behind the counter. Would be... Bjork's post. And if you complain once more, you may die. I'm lovely. And I know that's kind of recent, you know, considering the question, but a couple of years earlier, my sister. She's the one who introduced me to Bjork to begin with. So my sister's like this amazing hairstylist, makeup artist to the stars. And she very, very generously would do my mom's hair and my hair every weekend. So I very vividly remember sitting in the chair with with my hair soaking wet. And she just casually dropped this disc on me. And she's like, hey, I got this the other day. This girl's real cute. I think you'll like her. Check it out. Just not even like thinking twice about it. Like little did she know the creative bomb she just threw in my lap and that it would completely change my life in a lot of ways. Um, And so from that day, I just waited and waited for Bjork to drop another album. So when Post came out, (laughs) I said, mom, we have to get to the mall. So we go to the mall. I get the CD and I'm telling you, there was so much anxiety waiting for my mother to get out of the freaking dressing room in Gantos. She tried on like every dress in the place. And I'm like f- freaking out trying to get back to the car to listen to this CD. Um, and very, very excitedly got to listen to it on the way back home and watch my mom's face contort in all kinds of ways because she had no idea what she was listening to, <laughs> the magic that she was hearing. But yeah, that was definitely the most memorable album I purchased. I can picture you like, very young, like opening the liner notes in the dressing room, just looking at all the pictures. Right. That's That was on CD too, right? Yes, that was on CD. Yeah. Also, I just remembered this too. You were on Record Store Society before and it was for the sophomore albums list. So that Absolutely. is how everyone should know you from Record Store. Well, Besides from Puma Shock, but from this Record Store Society, regular shoppers of the store, Record Store Society, would know you from the the Sophomore Albums episode where you did list that album as being one of your top five. Oh, yeah. And I stand by it. It's one of the greats. That was a fun one. 
have to revisit that conversation. <laughs> okay, first concert. Prepare to be jealous, world. Oh. My first concert was Michael Jackson. Oh, snap. On his bad tour, 1988, Indianapolis, Market Square Arena, the whole family went incredible. Absolutely incredible. I am so jealous. <laughs> what? I, I'm so proud of that fact. And I still, I still remember it, surprisingly. I remember being really, really salty because Sheryl Crow was singing I Just Can't Stop Loving You with Michael Jackson and thinking, <gasps> how dare this wench sing with and rub up against my man like that? I was really upset about it, <laughs> even as a kid. But no, that was an amazing show, and it left, it, left an impression for decades. It's really... It's really shocking how similar our firsts are. I'm not kidding. Like, this is pretty amazing because I, well, not that Michael Jackson was my first concert. I am so jealous of that. <laughs> I also loved him so much. He ruled the world. Did you get a t-shirt or did your parents get a t-shirt that you could steal from them along with the box of records in your garage? I didn't get any swag now that I think about it. <gasps> and... It's probably too late to be upset about it, but I'm still going to bring it up to my parents tomorrow because I think I deserve an explanation. Yeah. yeah. Surely the children's t-shirts would have been the cheapest swag of all. I mean... They could have gotten me a shirt. Thinking of inflation, though, I bet you those tickets, uh, the whole family... <laughs> That's true. They spent all their just, money on just tickets. <laughs> I should just have been grateful to, to be there. You're right. You're right. And also apologies to Cheryl oh, Crow. Yeah. I, I spent lots of time cursing her the entire show, but now she's also one of my favorites today. I think so that, yeah, and I think that's probably a well-known fun fact of Cheryl Crow by now. But if you didn't know, Cheryl Crow used to be a backup singer for Michael Jackson. So yeah, super Lucky cool. Girl. Good on her. I know. Before she started the songwriter club in California, which sort of kicked off the next phase of her career with the, was it Tuesday Night Music? Club. Yes. Is that what the album was called? Yep. Tuesday Night Music Club. Okay, good. Oh my gosh. I don't know how we're going to, let's just stop now. You can't, can't top that one. <laughs> Try. I dare you. Can't ya. top that one as a musical first. <laughs> so wait, what, so for the next question, I'm wondering if this is also the answer to that. Um, first music obsession. Yeah, Michael Jackson's definitely a worthy music obsession. I think that would be kind of a global answer, but I have something fun for you. Oh, <laughs> So one of my musical obsessions that persists to this day that many people probably don't know about me, I am obsessed with super cheesy Euro techno, like circa 80s and <laughs> 90s cheesy techno. Love it, can't get enough. Still listen to it to this day. I'm pretty sure few would admit to being like diehard to unlimited fans but it be me right here. I was gonna say, could you give us an example? Yeah, like it doesn't get much cheesier than Too Unlimited. Too but, Unlimited. <laughs> but I totally claim them, I love them. They're a Dutch techno, dance pop, Eurodance group. Yep. What's a song that's like, get ready for this is one? Yep, they always play that at sports events. Yeah. 
No Limit was like their big, big global hit. So the thing about that, I mean, I was just a kid growing up in central Indiana. I had nobody to share these budding interests with. But do you remember those compilation commercials that would come on and be like, Euro Dance 1999, you know, and then they'd play like a minute of these song clips. That's all I had. So anytime that commercial came on, I would drop everything, jump onto the couch, (laughs) jump onto the bed and dance like my life depended on it. And that's that's what I did until I could, you know, actually go out and buy the CDs. I was completely a rave kid in a child's body. Okay. I've just pulled this Eurodance 99 <laughs> up on my smart device in the store to see what's on it. Or I, I, w- I wasn't even sure if you're talking about a real one, but you just said Eurodance 99 and I found a CD called That's that. hilarious. And I don't recognize any of these. There's no need to. Oh, wait. <laughs> Eiffel 65 blue is on here. Oh, wow. That's more subdued. I I'm, I was into like the really intense, happy, hardcore, doom, 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 doom yeah, kind of stuff. this might not be the one. But yeah, but still, I, I needed to dance to something. I liked that yeah. four to the floor groove. So those commercials were all I had for a long time. Amazing. I love it. I love it so much. First, musician crush. Man, this is like Michael Jackson's day. <laughs> Three in a row. <laughs> definitely crush on Michael Jackson. Definitely a crush on Prince. I think everyone yeah. had a crush on Prince. <laughs> he just had that kind of sexual energy that just consumed everyone. Yeah. Um, loved him. Then there's like all the boy bands, of course. Boys to Men, New Edition, New Kids on the Block. I mm-hmm. loved all those guys. Who are the who are the guys named? Jordan. Yes. Jordan, of oh. course. Yeah. Who didn't have a crush on Jordan? And the lead singer? The, that the like cutie. rat tail that he had. Uh, really yeah, that ridiculous. long rat tail. <laughs> I had yeah. the doll and it had the rat tail and I kept it, the rat tail That's, on. I wonder how many girls advanced. cut off the rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then oh. tied it around their necks like uh, Angelina Jolie style. Oh, what? Wait, what? Is that a thing? Do you remember she was married to... Um, Billy Bob Thornton, and yeah. they had vials of each other's blood around their necks. Oh. So you could have stuffed his rat tail in a little vial and wore gotcha. it around your neck. I was thinking she tied someone's rat tail around her neck. Like the that's also not impossible. <laughs> Knowing her, that's not impossible. Yeah. Oh my goodness, so funny. You were about to mention another. Like Joey McIntyre was my favorite new kid. Is Joey McIntyre. And who yeah. was the lead singer? The the cute little baby face. That's one? the one, right? Joey McIntyre, the baby one. Oh right, Joey McIntyre. Yeah. My brain is completely scrambled. There's Jordan. Jordan Jordan's was the rat, the rat tail guy. guy. Yeah. John was yeah. his brother. It was his brother. Then we had, okay, now famous Wahlbergs. One of is it Elder Wahlberg. Donnie or Mark that was in New Kids? No, it was Donnie. It was Donnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie. So then Mark Wahlberg did some like 90s techno house, <laughs> good vibration. Right. Yes. He dabbled. <laughs> he a dabbled. Bit in his underwear. Oh, yeah. He was in Calvin Klein. Ads, you're right. Mm-hmm. And there's that creepy movie. All right, next one. First time. Oh, oh wait. Wait. Yeah. Can I add something Please. else to that? Musician crush. Okay. Also, musician crush. As I got a bit older and into high school, this weird thing happened where I fell in love with any rock guitarist who had dark hair. Long hair? Dark hair. Just dark. It just had to be Not dark. Dark and long? 
Okay. It was usually long. That was kind of like who? That was kind of understood, but it had to be like, long. Like Dave Navarro. Definitely Dave Navarro. <laughs> uh, even like Kirk Hammett. Um, Wait, who's from Metallica? On? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just loved dark hair guitar players. The one who had my heart though for all time was Chris Cornell. Oh yeah, I was absolutely head over heels for Chris Cornell. He gorgeous. was very gorgeous and had a great yeah. head of hair for sure. Yes, definitely. <laughs> beautiful eyes. He was just a work of art. I'm trying to think. Other dark-haired guitarists. Yeah, they're probably uh, all in there. Yeah. Slash? You know, uh, he <laughs> was on the reserve list because I could never get a good enough look at his face to confirm. That's true. It was just all but he, hair. But he was sexy. He had like a good sexy vibe. So yeah, we'll put him in there too. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. First time you spent way too much money on a concert. Oh man, so that would have to be Björk's Volta tour. So I saw her somewhere in the Bay Area. I don't think it was I don't think it was San Francisco. It might have been somewhere around there. But I remember being really excited for the show. This is the one and only time I've been able to see Björk live. And I refused to be any further away than the first five rows. So oh. I dropped some serious cash to sit that close to her. That is really smart of you to do. Yeah. But the reason it became super expensive is because I had to buy two tickets. I didn't want to go by myself. And I couldn't find anyone to take it off my hands because I don't know. I don't know where my Bjork people were at the time. What's going on? That's crazy. So I ended up taking my boyfriend at the time, who was a total wet blanket. <gasps> he was not into Bjork, and it was a complete waste. And so I, you hear you have this whole arena jumping and going crazy while she's singing Declare Independence, and he's just kind of like standing there awkwardly. Oh, no. <laughs> waiting for it to be over. And I'm going nuts because, hey, this is my one shot to go nuts in the presence of Bjork herself. So that was a really, really pricey concert. And of course, I had to buy a shirt and a poster and all yeah. of the things. So I've never seen Bjork before. She just mm. announced a show in Miami in February 2022. I'm trying to decide if I should, whatever cost it is, just drop the money and go. It'll never be a waste. It, it's going to be an amazing, magical experience, you know, if you choose to. Yeah. So that was the, so yeah, that's the first one you've spent a lot of money on, too much money on. Yeah, way too much. But it wasn't too much money because it was totally worth it. It was worth it. Although if I could go back in time, I would have just taken myself and had a blast with my kindred spirits around me of Bjork enthusiasts. Yeah. I feel like we've all been in a place similar to that <laughs> where man I just wish I was by myself because this these people are ruining my vibe right the people you're cool. with or whatever yeah get into it okay we've reached the end last question and man I really have loved all of your answers so much so far so much <laughs> I, I love all of them they're very random <laughs> first time you spent way too much money on an album okay I actually have two two for that so there was an album from a Japanese group called Tika. That I somehow discovered in the early 2000s. Actually, I think I think 
I discovered them on my first trip to Japan. I heard this track called Pool, which to this day is one of the most beautiful love songs I've ever heard in my life. And that song always takes me back to being on that trip and experiencing, you know, the country for the first time. It's very romantic. And so when I came back, I was obsessed with getting a copy of this album. And it wasn't as easy then as it is today to get, you know, an international album. So I just found some really obscure website. I think it was even in Japanese. It was really hard to navigate. And I didn't even care how much, what the yen, you know, the cost was. I had to have the CD. And I remember when it, when it came down to it, it was just a regular studio album, maybe 10, 12 tracks tops. Um, it cost quite a bit of money, you know, probably like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. And that's just for the record. That's not even counting shipping and all that jazz. So I paid a lot of money to have that song back in my life because I, <laughs> I need it. It's a beautiful song. But the group, yeah, the group is called Tika. The album's called Weightless. It came out in two, 2001. And actually, since I don't have it anymore, since I've moved all over the country and you just sort of gradually lose things that are important to you, I'm going to have to hunt it down again and buy it. So it, it's still available on Discog. So if you wanted to hunt oh. it down and buy it again, you can. That's amazing. I'm going to do that as soon as my shift is over. That's perfect. <laughs> you've, you've made my whole day. Another fun tidbit about that song, too. Do you know who uh, Carrie Ann Inaba is? She's one of the hosts on Dancing with the Stars. No. Well, she's the only lady host on Dancing with the Stars, or, or judge, rather. And she's an amazing, amazing dancer. She used to be a fly girl on In Living oh. Color. But anyway, in the early 2000s, I was on a show for ABC, and she was our choreographer. And I knew that she had some Japanese heritage, so I went to her one day after rehearsal and gave her... The CD and I said, hey, I'm in love with the song. I'm dying to know what the lyrics are. Can you listen to them for me? And she very kindly, you know, took the song and, and wrote out the lyrics on a piece of paper and gave it wow. to me. And I still have it. And I like cherish, cherish that. Yeah. It's the only connection I have to what the song is actually about. And it was handwritten by Carrie Ann Inaba. So that's, that's always been really that cool. That is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's a good little connection there. Um, to the the album that you spent a lot of money on. Mm -hmm. Another really expensive album that I've that I purchased. So this this one's kind of a tragic story, right? In I think it was 1994, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant came together and did that Unplugged album on MTV called No Quarter, uh -huh. and I watched that and became so obsessed. I loved that whole show so much. I recorded it on VHS. I watched it like every day after school, loved it. And then I decided, you know what? I need to know more about these, these gentlemen. So I went into the Led Zeppelin rabbit hole. Yeah. And I remember buying a really expensive box set of Led Zeppelin. I was like, I need to just do the deep dive. I need to understand where all this awesome <laughs> music is coming from. Sadly... I don't have that box set anymore because oh, I burned it in a Christian music bonfire. <gasps> oh my gosh. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing ever? I spent over a hundred bucks for that. <laughs> and I let those stupid camp counselors convince me to toss oh my it gosh. in a fiery barrel. Wow. It's a good story. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I'm so mad what? about that to this day. 
I had I had the most spectacular like you know remember how we used to you know carry our CDs around in those giant zip up yeah like a folder know, book, album thing. yeah those trapper keeper for music <laughs> yeah. things I took the whole the thing into whole a fire folder of CDs yes just just all the references to my musical youth oh, it's so no. silly oh my god well but yeah that that was probably the most expensive album not outright not related to religion per se, but I, my house burnt down when I was a senior in college and I lost, I didn't lose a bunch of CDs in that, luckily. I cleaned them, gathered as many as I can, just clean them because they had a lot of smoke and water damage. Then three years, three or four years later, actually more like seven or eight probably, my house in Atlanta burned down. Like burned oh, down, God. like this. It was oh, like the worst. bad, and I did lose a bunch uh, there. But oh, it's I'm like so we both lost a bunch of our music by Isn't fire. That the worst, yes, by, by fire. fire. Right. Uh, it is the worst, but especially because this is an album. Probably no one has really cared to think of that much at the time when it came out as a singer, sort of grunge pop or alternative pop rock. The album was called Chick. Do you remember this? Lady chick, 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 like a C H I C K. Oh. She had a song called Malibu Barbie. If I were Malibu Barbie and you were Suntan Ken, I'd probably dump your ass for G.I. Joe. <laughs> well, this album I found out fairly recently, like maybe in the last five years, I've just found out that Mariah Carey wrote those songs. Someone else was singing it. Stop now it. you can't get that album. And I had that on CD. And you can't get it for like over $200 or something like that craziness. Oh, that's crazy. No one knew that, of course, in the 90s when it came out. She was like, this is my like angry girl project. And now right. that she's written about it in her book, you can't find it. Unless some person like me, some Gen Xer somewhere has it buried away in their basement and just like forgot or doesn't know, you know. Are you willing to drop that kind of cash on it? No, but that's what I'm saying. Someone's going to hopefully sell their thing and like not know what they have and hopefully I can just get it for like 99 cents like 99 any other cents. CD, you know. <laughs> Maybe. Nothing is possible. I am. I'm going to be sending you some positive chick mojo. I hope Thank it you. comes true. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, so, okay, I mean, thinking back to this list here. There is quite a bit of overlap, I would say. I think, you know, you have the the techno, electronic music, you have the sneaker pimps, digital download. Bjork, I think, crosses both of those lines, especially when you think of like the 90s and MTV Amp, Subterranean, all of that, which Bjork was the first CD you purchased yourself. The First concert you spent too much on. Yeah. Oh, and actually, Art of Noise, I think, relates to New York and also that sort of electronic thing. And then you yeah. have... There's a thread. There's, there's a, a thread. thread going through all of it. Yeah. yeah. And then, of yeah. course, the epic, legendary status of Michael Jackson and Prince that you've mentioned a few times. I think, yeah, it has this like very nice sort of line, but not all one yeah. note either by any means. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of unfortunate that um, it's not unfortunate, but I, I just want to make sure. I think it's important too to keep in mind that so much music was happening in my home with my three siblings and my parents. So there's so many aspects of my musical interests that haven't we haven't even scratched oh, the surface yeah. with, like just a huge R and B soul background, funk, 
um, gospel even, just lots of lots of music happening in the home. And then I was I always had those wild card artists that were kind of pulling me further out to more experimental and alternative sounds. So I'm I'm really proud of the breadth and depth of music that I was exposed to growing up. Yeah, I can relate, and I'm excited to hear more um, about your your tastes, your music uh, exposure throughout life have made you who you are today as we talk about music more in the record store and with guests and all the other things that we're going to be doing together. So uh, yeah, it was, it's been really good to find out about your firsts and excited to learn more and chat with you more, yeah. Natalie, aka Puma Shock. Yes, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to swapping albums with you and expanding my horizons even more musically and uh i think i like this job i think yeah. i'll stick around for Hell a while yeah awesome well let's take a brief uh little break smoke break coffee break whatever and then we'll come back and we will restock the employee recommendations shelf sounds good we're back from our break and uh, now it is time to refill the employee recommendation shelf Natalie, this is your first time as an employee doing this, but you've done it one other time. We recommend books, music, anything uh, similar or documentaries, movies, whatever related to music that we would like to recommend to our guests here at Record Store. I am going to actually recommend a book. It's called Vinyl Age, A Guide to Record Collecting Now. And it is written by, probably going to butcher his last name, but it's Max Brzezinski. Yes, there's a Z like next to the R, and I'm wondering what do I do with this? How does that work? <laughs> so I, hopefully I haven't butchered it too badly. Uh, I picked this up at uh, Carolina Soul Records in Durham, North Carolina, and it's really just kind of an analysis of record collecting now, what's popular selling in different countries, the politics of record collecting, race, history, region. Yeah, it's just, it's really good sort of guide to all things buying, evaluating, understanding record collecting in this day and age. Really cool book. Highly recommend. It's called oh, interesting. Vinyl Age, A Guide to Record Collecting Now. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, what are you going to recommend us? Let's see. Well, I recently finished Far Sector, issues 1 through 12. It is the story of the latest Green Lantern. Her name is Sojourner. goes by Joe. It's written by N.K. Jemison, and I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly as well. I read a book by this person. Yes. But it was wild. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about, but the title is escaping me right now. But amazing writing, just an amazing storyteller. Well, maybe you'll be into this. I don't know if you're a big comic book reader, but it's it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's so well inked and, and lettered and everything. It's just a feast for the eyes. It's the story of uh, the new human Green Lantern. She's stationed on this like really remote alien metropolis with, with all of these different alien species coexisting happily. And they do so by suppressing their emotions. And they've had peace for like hundreds and hundreds of years. But there's like this underground drug that allows you to feel emotions and then they have their first crime in centuries. And then, you know, Green Lantern has to go and figure out what's going on and crack the case and solve the mystery and wow. hopefully save the day. 
but it's really, it's a fantastic series. She's so good at sci-fi. And but I feel like the way she pulls in real life things, it changes the sci-fi in such a way that makes it even more human, but not. The way that she's writing things, you almost don't associate them with these like human things, but then you kind of do if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, no, the story is definitely a commentary on like socioeconomic issues that we're dealing with today, but it's not ham-fisted. Right. That's what I love about it. You're still caught up in the story, caught up in the culture of this alien world, but yeah, you can definitely see those parallels clearly. Yeah, it almost makes you question just a lot of just like real life things while you're questioning what's going on in their world. Um, But the, the book I was trying to remember is called The Fifth Season. Oh, yeah. So good. So, yeah, check out Far Sector. It's it's amazing. Far Sector, Fifth Season, anything by N.K. Jameson, and Final Age, a guide for collecting music. This has been fun. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm going to find my way around, get the lay of the nice. land in the store, and uh, we're going to have a good time. That's it. Uh, have a great day. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.